The Oslo Bislett Games are now the Impossible Games. Since 1965, the renowned athletics meeting in the heart of the Norwegian capital is annually one of the most anticipated events on the calendar. Top-notch fields, a storied tradition, and more than 60 world records over the years on a fast track in cozy Bislett Stadium have come to define the popular meet. But like so many sporting events, the coronavirus pandemic sent the 2020 Bislett Games off track, headed for sure cancellation. But veteran meet director Steiner Hohen said not so fast. With safety first, the meet will now entail a reduced program with no more than three athletes per event and social distancing on the track. Added innovation, creativity, and technology will all help to create excitement as the Bizlet Games sprint forward on June the 11th. Hello and welcome to this video edition of ATR Radio. I'm Brian Pinelli. Joining me now from Bizlet Stadium is the longtime meet director of the Bizlet Games and the Norwegian high jump record holder, Steiner Hohen. Hello, Steiner. How are you today? Hello, Brian. Uh, actually doing well. Things are uh, happening here in, in Norway on the, on the positive side when it comes to uh, the countries actually opening up and opening up, opening it up quickly. Uh, and you're obviously uh, there at Bislett Stadium. Uh, I, I know, as you mentioned, things opening up. Uh, it must feel good to, to be back at your uh, home away from home. Yeah, I had the home office uh, like everyone else in the world for a long time, but now I'm back in the office. I've been back in the office the last uh, two weeks. So uh, we actually opened up Bislett Stadium for the public uh, last week, but... Uh, uh, as you see, we have a limit of only five per persons per day at the stadium. So a few of them are indoors now, a few of them outdoors. And this Monday, we're going to open up for a limited of 50 people. So it's opening up gradually. Looking good. Looking good, Steiner. So uh, so nice to see that famous track that has been the setting for so many world records over the years and a great tradition with the, the Dream Mile that I watched on ABC Sports uh, uh, growing up in, in the U.S., but obviously something we could never have predicted. You've been running this meet since, I believe, 2007, and uh, obviously, like all of us, you had to adapt, uh, be innovative. Tell me a little bit with, you know, coming up with this concept, and, uh, you know, it, it's called the Impossible Games now, but when, when COVID-19 happened, did, did you think this could be possible? I have to go back to Sunday, the 23rd of February. It's where I understood that this is going to be dramatic. And the reason why that is because me, like everyone else, we heard of a virus that were in Wuhan, China, and, you know, so far away, it wasn't a problem, never going to hit us. And we have this fantastic Norwegian generation now with Vardholm, Ingebrigtsen Brothers. So we basically have sold out 80% of the, of the tickets for the for the spectators we had a fantastic program and we felt like you know we were going into the best year ever both financially and sport uh, when it come, came to business games but that sunday i realized when the disease started to spread in italy that this is going to be dramatic and i had this bad feeling uh, that sunday night and i'm also pretty active in the stock market i've been working as a stockbroker for many years and um, that Monday, the market crashed, and, and the market is always a good um, indicator for what's coming. And when the market started crashing around the world on, on Monday, the 20th, 25th, 4th of, um, of February, 
it kind of never stopped crashing. It just went down and down and down, and it ended. You know, the, I think the worst date was twelfth or fourteenth of March or something. So I understood that sport is not critical for the society. I understood that pretty early, and sport will probably be the one, together with culture and festivals, that closes first and will open last. That said, I also understood that we didn't have a plan for this because we thought this was something that never going to happen. And the Norwegian help programs, uh, they started to talk about helping different uh, you know, companies out and, and also culture events, but they talked about the ticket sales, that they will support some of the ticket sales. But there's no help program in the world that could help or be designed for a business game. So with international TV sales of, um, of uh, many, many dollars, uh, more than uh, you know, $1.5 million. Wow. Or you know, this big international, it, it wasn't a help program for that. And we had an organization staged to, to produce a big event in Oslo, transmitted in 166 countries with a big prize money budget and everything. So I just felt, you know, as a former uh, economist, that the numbers didn't add up. I was really afraid that we were going down bankruptcy. Sure. But you forged forward, came up with this very creative format. Uh, to my knowledge, seven events, five running and, and two field, uh, working with the Norwegian Sports Association and, and obviously Norwegian health uh, officials. So come June 11th, yeah, I mean, what can we expect, Steiner? So before, before I tell you what I can expect, because uh, it's already growing now from the seven uh, events you talking you talked about, because that was four weeks ago. Now we're up to 12 events and we're up right. to uh, 30 athletes. Yeah. So what happened were that uh, I understood that we had to pay back all the ticket buyers that bought tickets to the stadium. That was around a million dollars. Then we had to pay. Uh, we didn't get any TV income. But what we could save were our national and Nordic sponsors. Because our national and Nordic sponsors, they have a self-interest that Bislett Games doesn't go bankrupt. They, they like the, 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 the organization. They like to meet and they would like us to survive. And what they are most um, um, important for them is that we get one hour on national and Nordic television. <laughs> so if I can produce something, anything that will deliver that part of the contract, namely the logo exposure on national television, Nordic television, then I could probably save those national sponsors. And then I looked at, uh, you know, what was legal when it came to COVID-19 and rules of, of distancing. And in Norway, we had a rule of maximum five people and two meters. Okay, so if you have a group of five people, let's take pool vault. So pool vault is one corner of the stadium, five people, that could be three athletes and two judges. That's a group of five people. Right. And two meters, they're always two meters apart anyway. It's a pool vault. <laughs> so then on the other side of the, of, the, of the track, we could have the discus. And why did I choose the pool vault and the discus? Yeah, because we have good Norwegians and we have great Swedish. <laughs> so with Mondo de Plantis against the Norwegians, with the Daniel Stoll against the Norwegians, we could have discus, three discus throwers, two judges, three pool vaulters, two judges. Group of five, two meters. No problem. Then... When it comes to track, we had to two meters distancing. So each lane is 120. So if we had people in lane one, not two, three, but lane four, not five, six, but lane seven, 
then we could have two lanes between each, each athlete. It meant we could have potentially three athletes in uh, every distance from 100 up to 400. But then the problem came. What, what about distances longer than 400? Because then you only run separate lanes in the first curve, and then you go in and you run close. It meant that at that stage, we had to have just one athlete running. So that's why we designed a program for our great distance runner, Caroline Grovedal, that she will run alone for the 3,000 meter record at the Great Divides, which I actually have a picture over here. There you go, the great uh, Norwegian it's distance. Last, yeah, it's her last standing record, the 3,000 meter uh, female record that in, in its time was a world record and it's a, it's a fantastic Norwegian record. So, okay, if we could have a story that Caroline Grovedal is running against Greta Weitz. We could use technology here. We could take Greta Weitz, run in 1978 and put on top of Caroline Grovedal and there weren't any people in the stadium anyway, so we were actually planning to make a TV program. And on TV, you can uh, you can do many things. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. So that that was the story, and uh, and um, television bought into it. They promised me one hour on the NRK One television. Swedish television was interested. Danish, Finnish, and the athletes. I also needed support from the athletes, so I didn't know if they would like to come to visit because I had no money. But uh, I asked Karsten, I asked the Ingebrigtsen brothers, I asked the Norwegian stars, and, and they were all willing to actually come to Bislett for free to help save Bislett. And I'm so grateful for that support that happened when it was dark, when the disease was spreading like crazy in the beginning of March and Norway was locked down. I got this support. And that's why we actually uh, are here now, that uh, things are looking really good. Great stuff. Uh, I'm glad to hear this, Steiner. Uh, you mentioned some of the athletes, and uh, you make it sound like you just threw it together, but obviously some top stars, your 400-meter hurdler, Karsten Warholm, who you mentioned, two-time world champion, uh, second fastest in the 400-meter hurdles. He, I mean, he's going to attempt a world record in the 300-meter hurdles, and of course, you know, with all athletes, they probably haven't been training to capacity, but nevertheless, it's interesting. And, you know, what, what has he had to say to you about this unique format? Will, will he have one or two other uh, competitors in the race? Yeah, I mean, the plan was actually something different for Karsten. We had many different plans. I will come out with all the plans we had for him later, but it wasn't possible. So we ended up with Karsten himself said, okay, Steiner, I will do something I've never done before. I will actually tell the public I'm going for a world record because Karsten never do that. But he wanted to help, you know, get attention. So he found out that he wanted to do it. He hasn't been training for a month because he's been locked down. All the stadiums was closed. But he still felt that that record could be in his uh, in his legs still uh, when it when he had a month to train. And I, I think he's going to blow that record uh, away now that uh, you know actually the stadiums opened up and he had time to practice without uh, staying in his uh, apartment. Yeah, so that was one thing. And then we looked at different distances because when you don't have audience in a stadium and you don't have an international TV contract and you don't and you basically are doing this to cater for the let's say the Nordic uh, parts which was the original problem it's not that anymore now we're making an international program I'll get back to that so the thing were to actually ask the athletes themselves what distance would you like to do because I was I couldn't pay them one dime and they were coming for free so I, I, I put them into the equation and asked them what, what would you like to do so we have many old distances but still we have great storytelling behind this and we have matches norway sweden norway finland we have uh, mondo duplantis uh, jumping at bislet 
against uh, Renault Lavelini that is jumping from his garden in France. I'll get to that. Don't we worry. Are, <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. I'll get to that. <laughs> and many other things, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, though, before we get to a couple of the specific events, and uh, I have to confess, I'm, I'm an ex-pole vaulter, so I'm excited to talk about this unique pole vault competition. But, of course, Steiner, Sebastian Coe broke a world record in the 1,000 meters back in 1981 at Bislett Stadium. I, I just want to know, I mean, this is considered a Diamond League exhibition, maybe not a full-on meeting. What has your communication been like with World Athletics? What has Seb Coe and, and his team had to say? Did they give you any you know, restrictions, guidelines, or did they say, do whatever you want? <laughs> I mean, I'm in the Diamond League board, so I speak with Seb you know, basically two times a week on the board calls, and with Jackie as assistant, and with John Regan, the CEO. So, so uh, we all understood that uh, there might not be a season this year. We understood that the, the Diamond League series with points and the final, that, that was basically gone. All the other meets was planning on delaying their, their meet to August in the hope of uh, maybe having uh, then the country opened up and to have spectators. But because Norway was very quick to, to shut down, we actually got pretty good um, uh, COVID-19 numbers right away. So already by Easter, Norway was starting to slowly open up again. Schools, kindergartens. This was at a time when US was going into lockdown. We were going out. Yeah. And we, had, we, we now have basically no... Um, spreading of the virus in the system. We're down to like 40 new cases a day and maybe one dead every other day. And this means we have a much better view of how it's going to look because when you lock down, you focus on the lockdown, but when you open up, then the reality comes. Then you understand that there won't be a possibility for Norwegian people to travel and have their vacation in Spain because the government say no. Yeah. They want to protect the good numbers we have. So the Norwegian government came out very early and said no festivals or no sporting events during the whole summer, that means June, July, August, September, will be allowed for more than 500 people. So when I knew this already so early, I didn't see a reason why delay Bisley Games to August. Why? In August, 500 people. In June, Zero. What's the difference? Bislet is full. It's 15,000 people. And it's a queue outside of people wanting to buy tickets on the black market. How can I have a... Why wait for four months and have 500 people? And who should those 500 be? How can I pick them? Yeah. You know? The Norwegian, <laughs> so I, I, Norwegian royal family would be allowed to come. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's why I decided it's much better for us to, to... If we're going to go with zero, zero is better than 500. Because then nobody gets angry. There's nobody here. And then we might as well just try to do what no sporting event has done this summer to just stick with our date. Everyone's cancelled. What if we don't cancel? What about that? Isn't that cool? That was my challenge. You guys are cool. Norwegians, always cool. But, but here's my question. You know, obviously you brought up Mando Duplantis, the young Swedish pole vaulter that broke the world record two times this winter. Um, this meet is not only Norwegian athletes. Now, from what I understand, and, and you can elaborate, please, is some of these athletes will come in through Sweden, be bussed over the border, and as a result, they won't need to go into quarantine. So exactly how will this work, Steiner? So uh, here's comes, everybody's wondering that in Norway, how, how this is possible. And I said, have you ever read the COVID-19 rules? 
We have Norwegian government COVID-19 rules that has been since 12th of March when the country locked down. So there's always, since the 12th of March, been an exception for people living across the border and working in Norway. So we have a long border with Sweden. We have a long border with Finland. Every day, hundreds and hundreds of people living on the Swedish border, working on the Norwegian border, has every day traveled from their home without stopping, directly to their office, worked. When they finish working, they travel directly back over the border without stopping. And in that way, they don't have to go into quarantine. So this is exception of the COVID-19 rules, um, uh, paragraph five. So we didn't need, we didn't need any approval because we're just following the rules. And here comes another misunderstanding. People I know also in America, especially they have, I don't know how it works there, but I've been speaking to many of them. There's like a public opinion that the rules, they are rules, but the rules are actually to prevent spreading of the disease. They're not meant to make it difficult for you. And it's a misunderstanding between what people believe the rules are meant to be, to make it difficult for people, but the rules are actually meant to not spread the disease. So if we have athletes staying on the Swedish border, then four hours before they travel by car without stopping one second on the, on the road directly into Bishlet, it's one hour, 20 minutes drive. You, you go to the toilet before you go, go into the car, you have water in the car, one hour, 20 minutes. It's normal when I compete in Paris, I'm sitting in the bus from the athletes hotel, sometimes one hour and 20 minutes in traffic sure. to get to the stadium. So it's not, this is not unusual. Yeah. There are highways all the way. So when they get to Bislet, they get into the marathon gate, the car stops at the track and inside Bislet, we have a special rules of distancing of keeping one meter distance, of cleaning the different things. So everything's under control. Then when they finish their meeting, they get the baguette, they go to the toilet, they do whatever, they go into the car and they drive directly back to the Swedish border. In that way, we can prove that those people coming from the Swedish border or to the Norwegian border are not in contact with anyone the whole way. And when we, put this into the, when we put this into the authority, they said, yeah, I mean, you have done exactly what we want people to do. You, sh you, you actually have prevented any disease coming from Sweden to Norway. So then we don't need approval yeah. because we haven't broken any rules. Well done. The rules are there. Yeah. It's just to read them. <laughs> yeah. well it's boring to read the COVID-19 rules, but I know everything about that now. I'm an expert. Glad to know this. Glad to know this. So here's what I have to ask you. I mean, obviously, it all relates into having a safe meet, and you were beginning to allude to it. And pretty interesting, World Athletics has had these two garden clash pole vaults over recent weeks, first the men, then the women. Uh, there's going to be a, a pole vault in Dusseldorf, Germany, where people can watch from their cars. So, you know, the pole vault, my favorite event, really kind of, you know, raising the level. But for you guys, you're going to have Mondo, the world record holder two of the top young Norwegian pole vaulters doing really well. And of course, the 2012 Olympic champion, Renaud Levillene, competing in his garden uh, outside of Paris. I mean, how do you envision this all working? It sounds complicated. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily so complicated when you have a good TV producer. So this has been a kind of a movie because uh, we're not making a meet, we're making a TV show. <laughs> this is a big difference. So when you make a TV show, everything's possible. 
we actually have a news break for the Bisley games for the first time ever. So because there's no people in the stadium, we uh, have a news break where nothing is happening in the stadium. We, we, we're shifting some uh, cameras from, from the first half to the second half. Uh, what we have done in the pool vault is that we have uh, Renault Lavellini. Uh, he will jump in his garden uh, around the 5th of June, so a week before Bislet. Uh, he, uh, we sent him yesterday the bib with DHL. So we have a Bislet Games bib, and we also sent him the jumping heights. So with two friends, he will produce a, a three-camera production, two-camera production, uh, sorry, with audio, with everything, on the agreed jumping heights. Mm -hmm. So 531, 541, 561, yeah. etc. Then he will jump a normal competition. He will send this uh, tape to Omega in Switzerland, which is our official timekeeper. They will put on graphics and cut every jump into a one piece. So when uh, the competition starts in Oslo, if his jumping order is, let's say, third, so we start with one Norwegian, then the second Norwegian on 531, then we cut in Renault Lavellini's first jump on 531, and then Mondo. And then we continue like that because we have all the jumps in clips, and it's done before. So you'll keep, so, you'll so, keep his series secret from the other guys and have it play out like it's plausibly live? Yeah, and not only secret from the other guys, but secret from me also. <laughs> because... This tape goes from the tape goes from uh, Renault Lavellini to Omega in Switzerland, and the Swiss are known for being neutral. Yeah, all of Switzerland they built their whole country on being neutral. So they are the neutral guys. They put on the graphics, send it to NRK in pieces, and the only one that will know anything is the NRK producer, and he has a self interest not telling anybody because he's producing the national signal, an international signal. Yeah, Steiner, so it's going to be a great show, and it's going to be. The yeah, I mean, that's incredible. Who could have ever fathomed something like this? And, you know, maybe we'll see in, in some form, some variety uh, as things get back to normal, some, uh, you know, something like this. But I, I just wonder if Mondo is going to try to uh, figure out how much his, uh, his buddy and rival, Renaud, because he's such the young, fierce competitor. I, I think he'll want to know, but, you know, hopefully you guys keep it a secret. I uh, wanted to ask you about a few of the other events also. Uh, two distance, well, maybe more now, but a few distance races. You're going to use this uh, light vision technology to show the audience where the world or the Norwegian record is. Uh, how is that going to work? So um, uh, we have uh, not now it might be legal with uh, actually using a pacemaker uh, that is one meter in front of the others. But when we designed this uh, four weeks ago, um, then it wasn't legal because the distancing rules was two meters or it was a group of five. Now it's changed. But when we designed it, we, we actually saw that every event over eight, over 400, basically, that runs in not separate lanes will have to run alone. So uh, to cater for the Ingebrigtsen brothers and Caroline Grovdal, which is two famous Norwegian runners, we saw the only opportunity to have a pacemaker using technology and the wavelight system uh, which actually is a laser that goes around the track, uh, shows the different lap times you have to use uh, with different colors. Can actually be more people running on the same wavelength system. Could be uh, our pacemaker. And using technology, then uh, when it gets close to the evening at the Bislett Games, 10 o'clock, 10.30, it's dark. So on television, it will look spectacular. And you will know where the athletes are uh, according to which record they have set up to do. So... I think that will be something that we actually will continue with next year in the, every meeting that will have this waylight system maybe installed installed um, uh, forever because it will help us 
uh, when we have uh, pacemakers that never do their job well. I'm always angry with them. I pay them money and they don't do what I say. And then they can just follow the, the light. So don't need them anymore. And the light is now, yeah, and it's approved from the RWF. So it's, it's, um, every record will be set. It's uh, going to be a world record because the, the light system is now approved and can be, be into any stadium. So this is some of the support. I mean, the IWF, the World Athletics, which is now the name. I mean, when they saw and heard about my ID, they were like, in the beginning, they thought I was crazy. But uh, then when I, I told them that it's actually going to happen, they were really supportive. And, and the day before we had a press conference, um, four weeks ago, Seb came out and said he really wanted to support the project. And he came up with a, a, a very important amount. It's not a big amount, but four weeks ago, it was really big money because it was the only one I had. 50,000 US dollars that uh, was um, given from the IWF uh, or World Athletics to support the athletes because he knew that all the athletes were coming for free. So he put up the money and said that that money is going to be here. What, what about, uh, you know, we have implements, obviously, starting blocks and hurdles and shot puts. And anyone that's ever been at a track and field meet knows it's, it's a chaotic circus, usually in a good way. But, you know, between volunteers and officials and athletes warming up, uh, you know, what other safety precautions? Because I assume we can't have, uh, you know, five people handling a shot put or, or starting block. So another thing to consider? Yeah, I mean, when I designed it, it was a group of five people, like I told them, two meters. And now the Norwegian government two weeks ago changed their um, rules of uh, 50 people and one meter. That means I can have 50 meter, 50 people down at the track. So by any time, they, they can have maximum 50 people, including the, the people from Omega timing, including the judges and the athletes at one particular time. But then, of course, I can have people warming up because I have a warm-up stadium also, which is uh, underneath the, uh, the business sure. stadium. And that could be another uh, group of uh, maximum 50 people with coaches, with everything. And each group of 50 people have to have an um, uh, an authorized person that are in charge to keep um, the uh, COVID-19 regulations. So we have made groups of people, 50 people, and then NRK that are the host broadcaster, they are another group of 50 people. Then I have a, a private uh, kind of um, setup with my sponsors, which is uh, indoors at Bishlet, uh, kind of a, a VIP, a VIP boxes. That's a group of 50 people. And so I'm just following the rules. And the, when the rules are changing, I'm changing, and for, for, uh, I can say that the rules have changed in our favor. So now the meat is starting to grow. I'm starting to now have a real meat, and the one-hour Bislet uh, Games is now up to two and a half hours, and it's going to be live on television in many other countries than, uh, than I thought from the beginning. I just yesterday had a phone call from BBC that will probably um, air it in one of the channels, and uh, TV channel after TV channel is, uh, is now coming in when they see I have now athletes from many other countries. And now the last project also with uh, my Kenyan uh, uh, yeah, try, <laughs> thing with the English brothers is going to really blow out everyone. It's an unbelievable work in progress. Uh, unlike uh, anything I've ever heard in, in track and field, obviously we all want to see uh, how it comes together. You, you speak of the media interest, uh, obviously uh, produced by NRK, but I assume now more and more journalists want to come. And as you know, when, you know, Karsten or anyone sets a good time, often there are 15, 20 journalists hanging over each other to, to get the interview. 
how are you going to manage the interest from the media and also keeping with the, the regulations to keep everything on track, so to speak? So, um, so NRK, they have a group of 50 people. So their interviews uh, have to be one of those 50 people that, uh, that do their part. Then we're going to have um, a mixed zone, which is very limited. And uh, because the travel restrictions into Norway is so strict, uh, it means basically only Swedish uh, journalists uh, can you know, come in and go out the same day. Uh, because they will also, by definition, be at work at Bislett. But of course, if uh, journalists from other countries do the same, they get to Sweden and they travel into Bislett and out again. And then they, they, their agency need to have some kind of um, job for them at Bislett. And we need to cater for them to be at a certain place uh, that are in distance from the other journalists that are in the same place. And we're building up a system now and we have a closed stadium. So we will know exactly who is here. And then uh, our media boss, Morten, will uh, design a program uh, that uh, each journalist will have a place to be, which is away from the other journalist. And the, 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 the thing now is that there are no people in the stadium. And it used to be 15,000. So there's enough room. So there could be a journalist sitting over there, another one over there. It could be 100 meters in between them. So there's enough room. And, uh, and uh, we will go, the, the rule is one meter. But we probably go with 10 meters in between each journalist. Steiner, it actually, uh, area. Yeah. I was going to say, it actually sounds kind of nice. Uh, you know, I get a little frustrated when you're in a press room and fellow journalists yeah. are hanging on top of you too. And, you know, there's not a lot of space. So maybe we can continue this well after <laughs> the COVID-19 restrictions. It actually sounds kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what about, bit, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, we're basically designing everything uh, according to the rules yeah. from every little detail. Sounds and wonderful. We, we are lucky to have an organization that actually are built to host a big, big international meet. And we kept all, all our people now at their job. So we, uh, not many organizations in Norway have the staff to actually do something like this because it's a big job behind the scenes. Sounds incredible. I have to ask you, as I told you earlier, I've been to the Bislett Games a, a few times and just such a wonderful meet there in you know, the heart of Oslo. But one of my favorite parts, as I'm sure many a journalist will agree, and quite the tradition, is the strawberry party a few nights before the meet where journalists are invited, taste some wonderfully ripe Norwegian strawberries accompanied by luscious vanilla ice cream. Uh, is there a, a modified version of the strawberry party? I almost don't want to know because I could taste them in my mouth. Yeah. Does the strawberry party continue in, in some capacity? Yeah, and it's it's going to be the most strange strawberry party ever because it's going to be a joint strawberry party at the Swedish border and in Oslo. So we're going to have it at the same time the day before, starting at five o'clock, I think. So there will be a strawberry party with the athletes, the Swedish athletes, the Finnish athletes, Danish athletes, Swiss athletes that are living on the Swedish border. They will have strawberries in front of them. It will be uh, shared by Teams or Zoom or uh, or the DVD conference and seeing. Um, um, technology we have today and then at the same time in Bislett there will be the Norwegian athletes uh, so we'll actually create a, a dual strawberry party in Sweden and in Norway at the same time to be our press conference. That is yeah. absolutely astounding you guys have not left any any detail any any stone unturned. Uh, a little time still before the meet Steiner and I'm, I'm excited to hear you know always evolving 
uh, anything else? Any other surprises that you're, you're working on here in the in the home stretch, uh, heading toward the finish line? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, every great meeting needs uh, some kind of spectacular finish, and uh, what we are working on right now is something I think will be really spectacular. Uh, it's uh, a match between Team Ingebrigtsen and Team Chariot. So uh, the plan now is that we have uh, Timothy Chariot, the world champion in the 1500. He'll pick uh, four other guys and, and uh, run a 2,000 meter in Nairobi um, uh, on the 9th of June. And then uh, on the 11th of June, the Team Ingebrigtsen will uh, pick a couple of uh, rabbits and then uh, have five guys start in Nairobi, have five guys start at Bislett for the 2,000 meter match between Team Ingebrigtsen and Team Chariot, or you can call it Team Kenya, Team, Nor team Norway. <laughs> and each team can have uh, two uh, uh, rabbits uh, dropping off. But the, the best time of the three athletes to finish will determine who will win of the two teams. And uh, the way we're going to do that is that uh, we're going to film a 2,000 meter in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, I think on the 9th of, uh, of uh, June, uh, four or five camera production. And then the same uh, production going to go to our neutral friends in uh, Omega Timing in Switzerland. They're going to put on all the uh, graphics, keep the times secret. And then when we pull off this last uh, event of the day, uh, it's going to be on a split screen. So you're going to watch a race in Nairobi, a race at Bisley going on at the same time. Nobody knows uh, the outcome. And it's, it's going to be really tough because we're talking team, team chariot here. <laughs> talking the best runner in the world. And we're talking Jakob Ingebrigtsen on the other hand that just you know a couple of days ago set the... Uh, almost the European record in the 5K, so it's already in shape. So it's going to be incredible race. Steiner, you are a mad scientist, if you don't mind me saying it. Uh, it all sounds mind-boggling, uh, exciting, uh, everyone anticipating from, from what you were telling me. Last question. Obviously, we all think about a return to normalcy where, you know, you have uh, – a packed house at Bislett Stadium. You have, you know, 20 runners uh, jockeying for position. You have camaraderie between pole vaulters. But do you think that some of these ideas, uh, this innovation implemented here at Bislett may carry on to the future? Because maybe it's not such a, a bad thing having just two or three runners in, in a race or, you know, having these video competitions uh, worldwide. Can you see some of these uh, ideas moving forward after things continue to improve? I, I, maybe maybe it's going, going to be a change because I'm now doing what I'm doing. I know my Swiss friends in Velikas is, is working on similar project. I know my friends in Monaco is working on something else. And, and when, when you don't have a choice, you just have to cater and, and find some storytelling to survive. You think outside the box. And if you look at my program now, every event has a reasoning behind it. There's not one single event I just have. When I'm part of the Diamond League, I have some events that are distributed to me that you know, really doesn't have any Norwegian interest at all. But each event now has a storytelling. It's either Norway-Finland. It's, it's a match against the record. It's two teams against each other. It's a split screen. It's Mondo against Lavellini, which is, you know, just by... It's a cool thing if it was in a stadium, but it's even cooler when it's two different places. So, so there, there might be, you know, I didn't have a choice now. I just had to find a storytelling and produce a TV show. And what I'm producing now is basically a TV show. And I think... Basically, for Norwegian audience, that this Bislett Games or Impossible Games is going to be more interesting than the normal Bislett Games because everything now is about our, our basically about our Nor Nord Nordic heroes, 
either in competition against the record or in competition against somebody else. So you have the man-to-man -man or face-to-face -face matchup, or you have the record. So you have a story behind everything. And that's not necessarily the case when you watch a normal track and field meet. Yeah. Steiner, I think the only thing missing, if you don't mind me saying, my suggestion, you are still the Norwegian record holder in the high jump. No, uh, no, no veteran, no uh, senior master's class in the high jump to kind of wrap up the meet. You seem like you have the energy that uh, this wouldn't be a big problem. It's funny you say that because people ask me when, when, when this was at its darkest hour in March and I tried to fill one hour and I said, I'm willing to do everything. So if I don't get Atlas on board, I'm willing to actually make a comeback and, and jump myself at Business Stadium just to create some interest that I get this shit on television for one hour that I can say my sponsor. So, but luckily the other athletes uh, pulled, pulled up and, and came through and I, I didn't have to make a comeback and I think people should be happy for that. Good stuff. Well, Steiner, we wish you all the best. We look forward to the Bizlet Games, now the Impossible Games. Uh, wonderful innovation and uh, uh, all the best. And, and thanks for taking the time here on ATR Radio today. Thank you. So it, it's like people say, you know, nothing is impossible. I like it. I like it. Thank you so much. Tusintak, Steiner. Tusintak. <laughs> and thank you for joining in to this edition of ATR Radio. I'm Brian Pinelli. AroundTheRings.com, your best source for news about the Olympic Games. Have a great day, everybody.